When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Reckless speculation from the TCL broadcast studios. You're listening to Mackie and Judd. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. I was thinking about not only reckless speculation for this offseason for the Vikings, but also the uh, the mock drafts that are to come. I peaked at a mock draft today, guys. It's January 2nd, and I peaked at a mock draft. I didn't really read it close, but I looked. Just like, who are they saying the Vikings are going to take with the 18th pick? Who do they say? It was a lineman. Oh, well, some some guy from Kansas. Line. Yeah. Defensive well, lineman? No. Because <laughs> that was the first but Would one anybody be surprised, though? I mean, no, of course not. No, I would I mean, Well, think about this, too. If... If Sheldon Richardson leaves, you know Zimmer's going to want to draft a defensive tackle. Yeah, yeah. He's going to want to draft one. My understanding is, and I have not researched this fully yet because the season just ended, but that this is a very heavy draft for defensive tackles. I mean, you could totally (laughs) see it. You could totally see it. And then they'll tell us on draft night, like, guys, you know, we don't draft to fill needs. We draft best players on the board that Mike Zimmer wants on defense. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Phone number 651-646-8255. Matthew Collar in for Mackie and Judd, along with uh, Manny Hill, Jonathan Harrison. Uh, Steve on the line. What's up, Steve? Well, here's the deal. I've been a Vikings fan for 40 years. I've been through four Super Bowls, left all 40. We've had a couple of great coaches. Now, there's a reason Mike Zimmer was an assistant coach for 14 years. And the reason is, is every other owner figured out this guy's not head coach material. When have you ever seen this guy get pissed off and grab a, a clipboard and go up to some, some lineman and slap him upside the head? Wait, 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 wait. You're saying the issue is that Mike Zimmer isn't pissed off enough i'm saying he's got no passion oh wow no you're gonna have to move to a different point steve you're just gonna have to go to a different point i have been around the guy every day for the last three years i could tell you the one thing no one would ever say about mike zimmer is that he lacks passion if you're just watching tv on the sideline the four times a game they show him and you're making that judgment you really can't buddy i that is not even close so you're gonna have to go a different way and steve when they get blown out. What does he say? It's oh, not, I'm telling you, Steve, it's okay. not in the ballpark or the stratosphere of a reasonable case against Mike Zimmer. And the other the other part of that, too, Steve, is, you know, you mentioned being a Vikings fan for a long time, and I'm I will tell you, that, well, you want yeah, him to hit okay. people with clipboards? I mean, well, what the, I can't, I'm sorry, Steve, Steve, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, well, I mean, that's not even close to a reasonable thought. Yeah, and here's, here's the other thing, all right, so Steve's been a Vikings fan for a long time. Well, he mentioned my, that, yeah. My, my stepfather 
was a running back for the Minnesota Vikings for seven years during the time that Steve is talking about playing under Bud Grant and Bud Grant's the greatest coach that this franchise has ever had, took him to four Super Bowls, all that stuff. Bud Grant was as calm and stoic on the sidelines as you will ever find in a head coach. He wasn't throwing and slamming clipboards and screaming in people's faces and everything. I mean, who was, is? So, so I don't so I don't understand like why Mike Zimmer has to do that in order to be a good it's, coach. I mean, so a, I I just don't the, I don't get that. The, if you're gonna make a criticism of Zimmer, you might you might say he's too hard on people. You might say that when he pulls a kicker out of a game in a preseason game that he misses a kick, that you may have destroyed that young kicker's confidence. You or may when he say, calls his offensive line soft after right. losing I a mean, game this, in Philadelphia. Like th- this was the criticism of Rhett Ellison's dad on Facebook two years ago <laughs> that Zimmer had been too hard on players I, I, and I things like that. that. He alienated <laughs> Anthony Barr by being too harsh with comments he made. He slammed the offensive coordinator repeatedly in press conferences and the guy is known as one of the toughest coaches that there is out there and that you that want was, him you want him to throw big... his glasses on the sideline i mean like what is belichick doing this it's well, not, the it, other the other part of it too is remember i remember when he first got hired by the Vikings, everybody was pointing back to when he was the defensive coordinator in Cincinnati. Yeah, and he when was he mic'd went bananas, up, yeah. When he was mic'd up for uh, hard knocks and he was yeah. dropping F-bombs and yelling at yeah. everybody and everything. Yeah. So, I don't... I think he's I extremely hard on players and it has been to his detriment at times. But the... You know, I mean, even then, this is the thing about the Mike Zimmer argument. And this it goes a little bit for Rick Spielman too, but I can go farther with you on Spielman than I can with Zimmer. Mike Zimmer is 47-32-1 in his time as the Minnesota Vikings head coach. That's one of the best winning percentages of any coach during that time, and his quarterbacks have been all over the place. Matt mm-hmm. Castle, Sean Hill mixes in. You have Bridgewater, looks like he's the franchise guy. You have Sam Bradford comes in a week before the season. You have then, you know, Case Keenum takes over and, and goes to the NFC Championship game. Okay, so you brought him in to be a defensive coach, and their defensive ranks have been at the very top of the NFL last three years, third, first, and fourth in yards against. And in the top 10 in scoring against every year except 2014, in which they were 11th. You brought him in to do those things. A lot of these points to be made about Zimmer as a head coach and even to some extent Spielman as a general manager and as this front office are really about Kirk Cousins. People who make these arguments are making them about Kirk Cousins. They're trying to find another way to apologize for Kirk Cousins not making a throw against the Seahawks or not making a throw against New England. That's what this ultimately ends up being mostly about. The defense, Mike Zimmer's defense, did its job. And he made a mistake with the offensive coordinator he hired, who other teams interviewed for a head coaching position. And we're still talking about when the Vikings offense was struggling midway through the season, people were still talking about that offensive coordinator being a head coach. Yes, correct. On the TV broadcast, <laughs> as so, I remember so well. Now, that does not mean that Mike Zimmer has been perfect throughout the season. I think some of the criticisms are fair that he 
has mismanaged certain situations. It became a distraction at the point that he was mentioning their offensive issues so much. He was talking so openly about their problems on offense and not running the ball and making it so clear that he was frustrated with John Filippo that it did, I think, become somewhat of a distraction for players. And, and so there are plenty of times where you could say, hey, why did he go for fourth down against New Orleans? Maybe that cost him the game. Although... Maybe don't throw the ball to Quan Treadwell is also another option. He went yeah. one for five challenges this year, and his overall challenges, he's 12 for 28. That's not all that good. But when you're talking about how they perform on the defensive side, which is why you hired him, they have done their job every single year. And it feels like when you obsess over the offensive line, when you obsess over Zimmer didn't do this or Zimmer didn't do that, it really is you saying, it wasn't Kirk's fault. It wasn't Kirk's fault. It was everybody else's fault. Right. It was, yeah. and, and, and that is just the thing that is consistent throughout Kirk Cousins' entire career, is it wasn't Kirk's fault. In, in Washington, it was they didn't have a good enough defense. Well, you think that they were ever hurt by the turnovers and the field position and things like that when they gave up a lot of, uh, or, or hurt by um, the fact that he was playing from, from behind a lot because he couldn't get started in a game like we saw so many times. They could have lost in Detroit by 21 points if Detroit was even close to competent at football mm-hmm. because they went five straight uh, three and outs or four straight three and outs and couldn't get anything going with their quarterback. And, and that's and that's the frustrating part to me because I want to listen to the cases. I want to listen to the arguments. Well, the front office didn't do enough. Well, the front office also got Stephon Diggs under an unbelievably good contract. They also got Daniil Hunter under an unbelievably good contract. They got uh, Xavier Rhodes under a reasonable contract, though he did not perform as well as expected this year. The point just being, they've kept a lot of great talent around. They've put a lot of great talent on the roster. So this front office at the beginning of the year is being talked about as one of the best in the NFL. And then two positions out of all of them aren't perfect. And it's... Oh well, fire Spielman, and and and, and I, I'm, there's there's criticisms there, and I'm the president of Will Hernandez's fan club, right? <laughs> like I've changed my name to Matthew Will Hernandez, but at the same time, did Mike Remmers ruin the season, or did the quarterback not making a throw do it? Did Mike Zimmer's defense ruin the season when it came to making the playoffs when they finished fourth in the league in yards against? Is that really what's to blame here? So I. It ends up being frustrating for me to listen to arguments like that. He needs to hit someone with a clipboard. Like, all right, I don't care how many years you've watched football, I've never seen a head coach hit someone with a clipboard. And Bud Grant, because he, I mean, I'll go back to it. He was talking about how he's been a Vikings fan forever, and they've had two great coaches all time. And, I mean, so we're talking Bud Grant and Denny Green, did Neither, Denny Green hit anyone with a clipboard? I no, don't recall seeing that. I mean, that. he hit a microphone when he did the Bears who we <laughs> thought they were, but yes. he was coaching the Cardinals then. And, I mean, but, like, Bud Grant was not slamming a clipboard over somebody's head. He was the last person that was going to ever do that. And I guess what what is even, even furthers the frustration of the conversation about Kirk Cousins for people is that you want to find a different direction to go. It's the same way with Andrew Wiggins, where when you get to the Wiggins conversation, you always just go, I, I, I've got nothing. I don't know what you're supposed to do with him. You can't, like, oh, you need to give him the basketball more. Someone needs to be his best friend. Someone like yeah. All the solutions have been exhausted, and the there same, isn't one. The same thing with Wiggins was when 
Jimmy Butler got here when they first made that trade for Butler. Take him under his wing. Yeah, Jimmy's going to take and and I was I was guilty as that. I was guilty of that as anybody. You know, my thought was Jimmy's going to come in and he was going to bring Andrew under his wing and the other part of it was Jimmy wasn't going to, you know, Jimmy was going to take on the toughest defensive responsibilities. So right, Wiggins right, right. is not yes, going to have to yes. guard Kevin Durant or LeBron we James. We talk every ourselves night. into things, that's yeah. for sure. And then Wiggins regressed. And then it became when the when the Butler drama started it became, well, Wiggins just they need they need to get Jimmy out because Wiggins look at what he's done to Andrew Wiggins and then they trade Jimmy Butler and we're seeing the same stuff with Andrew Wiggins. I think people get de- desperate for answers that are beyond the one that's the most uh, frustrating. And uh, you know what, Jonathan, did you say off off the air like looking for water in the desert sort of thing, like looking for these other potential explanations for mm-hmm. what really happened. And what really happened was you had four or five opportunities to come through in a game and win it, and it just didn't, that that wasn't the case. And that's why you're sitting home for the playoffs, and these other teams get to play. And luckily, we have Rich Gannon to talk about the other teams that will be playing coming up. So uh, former NFL quarterback Rich Gannon, I'm going to ask him what his thought on this Viking season is, if there's anything that he saw to clutch on to going forward or what they need in the offseason. And there are some great playoff matchups coming up this weekend we will break them down with rich gannon when we come back people people i have an important announcement mackie and judd are back after this brief timeout on 1500 espn it's live from the tcl broadcast studios mackie and judd are back okay then on 1500 ESPN. All right, got some crashes to tell you about now here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. A couple on 169. Uh, first, let's go to New Hope. Uh, it's causing a five-minute delay. It's between Medicine Lake Road and 36th Avenue North and uh, southbound 169 near Eden Prairie between uh, Anderson Lakes Parkway and Pioneer Trail. That crash is causing a 14-minute delay. And then uh, 35E northbound in St. Paul between Pennsylvania Avenue and Maryland Avenue. That's kind of a common common place for a crash that's causing a five minute delay there thank you manny matthew collar uh, in for Mackie and judd for the second straight week i am the one that gets the chance to talk with former nfl quarterback and analyst rich gannon rich how are you i've been better still still haven't gotten over the viking season that's just uh you know it's, you go back and you look at you know, all those plays and all those games, and you come back and say, well, if we could have done this better in week five or could have finished off a team better. You know, it's just, it's, I just did the Steelers game this past weekend, and they literally won the game with that Antonio Brown. And players, majority of players, sat on the field and watched from the big screen the finish of the game between the, the Ravens and the Browns that literally was just a, a few minutes behind our game to determine whether or not they were going to advance and win the division and, of course, advance the postseason. So that's the NFL. That's what the NFL wants. The great football week 17, meaningful football in week 17 is ultimately going to decide who continues on and who, unfortunately, goes back and cleans out their lockers. Rich, do you still feel any sort of connection to the teams that you played for? I do. I mean, I think you develop relationships. I mean, a lot of the, obviously a lot of the players and even – coaches and staff and even ownership with you know with the Vikings when I was there is, is long gone but he developed relationships with Mike Zimmer and players and coaches and assistant coaches Kevin Stefanski I've known him for a long time so yeah, I mean you feel their pain and you know Shelley's father played 13 years for the Vikings I played six years for the Vikings so you know um Shelley still gets up on Sunday mornings and puts on her purple and hmm. 
and cheers to the Vikings. I'll be doing a game in some other town, and she won't watch my game, but she'll watch the Vikings game. So, <laughs> you know, so we certainly, um, you know, it's, it's not like if the Vikings lose and the Raiders lose over the weekend, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, go drown myself in, in, in sorrow. But you know, I mean, it's important. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I wanted to see the Vikings go on. I, you know, I like Kirk Cousins. I like a lot of the players, and so it's uh, it is what it is. But you know. What happens now is you look around the division. I mean, Detroit's making changes to their staff. They got rid of their coordinator. You look at the Green Bay Packers. They're kind of starting over. They're going to clean out their staff. You look at the Vikings. Who knows what type of changes Mike Zimmer may or may not make. So that's what happens in our, you know, eight head coaches that on teams that are, you know, teams are starting over again with the head coaches. So this is our, this is, this is the nature of the NFL. Either you win or we fire you and we move on. That's kind of how, that's, that's the reality of our game. So what is the assessment in the Gannon household for what needs to happen to get the Vikings where they thought they were going to be this year, next year? You know, I think you could look at it a number of different ways. I mean, you could look at it and say, there's, you know, we need to be, there need to be significant changes, not, not, not in terms of Coach Zimmer, but you look at you know, what, what has to happen. And my sense of it is, is that, look, this is a team that was close. All right, let's let's look at the three or four areas really on both sides of the ball. Really, in all three phases, quite frankly, the kicking game as well. But what are, what are three or four things that, that we did well? All right, let's let's try and build on that. Let's try to accentuate that moving forward. All right, what are the three or four things we did do particularly well offensively? Clearly, you, know, you look at the, the 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 instability with the running game, and that you know that that whole the, the lack of development there and progression. That's certainly something that needs to be looked at. You look at making a coordinator change. Uh, the middle of the season. That's, you know, that's never a good thing. And mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not easy on the staff. It's not easy on the players. So, I mean, I think you look at that and you say, all right, well, you know, what, what, what are we going to go back and clean up next year? How can we get better? I think that's really the focus. And look, the, the Vikings aren't, this isn't a unique situation. It's just the Vikings. I mean, you know, everyone, if you, the Patriots, if, <laughs> you know, if the Saints, whoever, wins the Super Bowl, they're going to do the same thing. They're going to look at, all right, so we won the Super Bowl, but what, what are some things we did do well, what are the things we did do well, and where are some areas we can, we can improve in 2019? Rich Gannon joining us here. Matthew Collar in for Mackey and Judd today. You mentioned knowing Kevin Stefanski. I've gotten to know him a little bit, just covering the team, and he's an, an impressive guy and has a lot of experience here. His contract is up, so he's getting some interest from other teams. I'm not surprised by that, uh, but I think he should be toward the top of the list in terms of who the Vikings have as their offensive coordinator next year. What's your take on that, Rich? I think so. I mean, I think, he, you know, look, it, it, he was he was thrust into a very difficult position. I think he responded uh, really well and did a, did a nice job. Uh, I would say that, you know, when he had a chance to, to go back in the offseason and, and to clean up things and to put his own spin on it and to, you know, meet with the staff and the players. And, you know, I think, I think you could see, you know, I think you could see some, some improvement for next year. But, um, the thing I like about Kevin is is how how he's gotten to this position. Mm-hmm. He just didn't come in. He, he's kind of worked his way up through uh, through the system. I, he he was a quality control coach. He's worked a number of different areas. Uh, he's coached the receivers. He's coached running backs. He's coached quarterbacks. So I think he you know he he knows how to put together a game plan. He knows how to work on the protection scheme. He knows how to put together you know uh, a running game plan with the offensive line coach and those type of things. So, um, I obviously I'm biased. I I, I, I like him. Uh, I, I I like him more more as a person 
because I know that the quality of character that he is, I mean, his, his integrity and the, he's a decent, he's a really decent guy, family guy. So, I mean, that's important. You know, we don't probably talk enough about that in terms of, but you want, you know, you want, you want people in your organization that are people of great character and integrity and professionalism, attention to detail. And I think, I think Kevin is, is one of those guys. As a quarterback, what is the top thing that you want for an offensive coordinator? Because I've got to imagine that Kirk Cousins has a, a say in this. And if he doesn't, then I would be confused because he's under contract. He's going to be the quarterback going forward. So I think he would be involved in that decision. As a quarterback, what do you want from that guy? Okay, so a couple things. First and foremost, I want stability. So if you think the grass is green, you 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 better be careful what you ask for. If all of a sudden they bring in somebody else who's got a completely different thought process, a completely different system of football, a completely new learning for me, that's not an ideal situation. Someone who doesn't know our culture, doesn't know our system of football, doesn't know our personnel, that, that to me does not make any sense. So that, that, that would be my first thought. In terms of what I'm looking for, I want a couple things. I want communication. I want honesty. I want a coach who could be upfront and honest with me. I don't don't tell me the things I'm doing well. Coach me the things I'm not doing well. I also want to know that I have I have a coach who's going to put in a, a, who's going to put in the, the time and the effort, put together a great concept and a great plan each week. Someone who's not who's willing to make adjustments, who's willing to add different concepts that we see around the National Football League. Um, someone who understands my strengths and my weaknesses. Uh, and someone who's, you know, someone who's, who's got some confidence and, uh, who's got an aggressive mentality. Somebody who's willing to, you know, give me the ball in a critical situation, let me go make a play. That, there's a lot that you're looking for, but I think those are some of the things that you, that you want in a, a, a play caller. And, uh, I think the communication is critical, though. I've been around some that aren't interested in your opinions, your mm-hmm. thoughts, you know, and I've been around others who are great that way. Tom Moore was one of them. Um, John Gruden was one of them. If you said something like, hey, I'm not real sure about this, or I don't feel as good about this on Friday, that now we practice it a couple of days, hey, just take a red pen and let's take it right out of the game plan. And that's that's important. You know what I mean? Not every coordinator is that way. Yeah, you know, and that's uh, one of the things with Kevin Stefanski and why I think it makes a lot of sense for him to stay on as the offensive coordinator is that it appeared that he and Kirk Cousins formed that type of relationship as it went along. And Mike Zimmer insinuated to us at one point that uh, Cousins would have a lot more say uh, and, and better communication with Stefanski. And, and it seems like that would be one of the things at the very top of the list would be that those two got along really well. Absolutely. And the other thing I left out, which is really important, is the ego part. You know, uh, Kevin is not a guy with a huge ego. He, he doesn't care who gets the credit. He, he doesn't really, doesn't really matter to him. Um, you know, he's, he can take constructive feedback and criticism. I've been around some of these guys that their egos are just so big. It's just, they're hard to manage. Um, and it can be a real issue for players because, the minute something goes wrong and the minute adversity hits, and it will at some point, I don't care who you are, very few teams go 16-0 in the regular season. So when adversity hits, is the coach going to be able to stand up in front of the team, in front of uh, the media, and accept responsibility? Is he going to say, hey, look, I, I've got to do a better job, or is he one of those guys, well, they, these guys got to do a better job, the offensive line's got to do a better job, the quarterback's got to take better care of the football. You know what I mean? At, at some point, you want a coach who's going to have your back and who doesn't have an ego, but who understands we're in this thing together 
and that to me is just as important. I don't know, Rich. I don't recall any examples of ego in football. I think. Um... Oh no, especially not, especially not at that position. <laughs> You're right no. about that. You are well, certainly right about that. Not to, not, to, not to drop names. We had a coordinator one year, Jack Burns. Denny Green hired him his first year in 1992. And it was my really my first year start for the Vikings. And he did more damage to me and to my confidence and my psyche. And that was the year we went. We were like 8-3. and three. I think he sat me down and put Sean Salisbury in for a week or two and, and then threw me back in against the 49ers and then started Salisbury in a playoff game, to, at home playoff game to the Redskins. And we absolutely... You know, we, we just, we, we, we wet our pants. It was terrible. So, I mean, and I was traded the following summer. So, you know, and that guy was fired, uh, I think three weeks into the following camp, the following season. Once, once Jim, Jim McMahon came to town, McMahon thought this guy was a fraud. So, you know, I've been around guys like that and, um, he, he just had a huge ego. And I remember going to him one week and saying, hey, look, I don't know that, you know, we've run that play three times in practice. I just, I don't feel comfortable with the footwork. And he said, no, 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 it's a great play and we're going to run it. You know, it's just that, 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 that's about the most asinine and insane thing you could possibly do. If you've got a quarterback that's coming to you saying, I'm not comfortable with something, you're going to jam it down his throat, that is, uh, that is a recipe for disaster. And I wonder about those same sorts of things with the uh, read-between-the-line comments made uh, about John Filippo after he was let go. And, and he is a really smart football guy, and it, it may ultimately turn out that he has a great long career, but it seemed like with him and Kirk Cousins that something wasn't there, that they weren't on the same page with things. And you wondered, you know, in the past, Cousins is great with play action, but they're not running a lot of play action. He's not as good out of the shotgun because he stays in one spot in the pocket, but He's in the shotgun all the time, and little little things like that throughout the year, I, I think, impacted him. Well, when you're not running it, it's hard to, for the play action to be very effective, or for mm-hmm. a defense to take you seriously. And I would say that you know, when you have a head coach who goes up to the podium and saying, "Hey, we got to run the football better," and then a week later he says, "Hey, we've got to run the football more," <laughs> and then a week later he says, "Hey, we, we got we have to more of a commitment to running the football." I mean, honestly, if you're not hearing that and that's not that that information's not being relayed to you, and I'm certain that Mike Zimmer had that conversation with him, you have to go back into the staff meeting and say, "But we're not, we're, we're not just going to run it because coach tells us to run it." There, there's a method to his madness too. Now, he, right. the defense is playing really well. You know, time possession is important. Uh, we're struggling on third down. We're putting ourselves behind the down and distance, I and mean, we're doing a lot of things that we're not really. And not only that, but Mike's looking down the road and saying, "Hey, what, what kind of team we're going to be when the weather starts to change?" And, Hey, we're going to go play Chicago twice, and you know I don't want my quarterback. You know we've got some issues in, in terms of pass protection. I want my quarterback dropping back there against that crew. You know what I mean? And so at some point you say, you know we got to be able to run the football, and it, it, it's not just you, we have to be able to have a commitment to running the football. What does that mean? Well, it means that we're gonna we're gonna look at this, and we're gonna we may cut out a passing period on Wednesday and Thursday, and we might have an extra you know inside run period. We may have an extra nine on seven period. We, we may do some things differently because. We've got to make a commitment to running the football. Hey, we might get we may have a series where we run the ball three times, we punt. But we're, we're, we're not going to we're not just going to have a negative run and all of a sudden toss out the runs and not run the rest of the day. I think that just gets back to the mentality of the play caller, and that mentality, of the play caller, I think is is reflective and reflected back to the to the the, the, the men in that room, that offensive meeting room, that says, "Hey, look, we're, we're going to this is a this has been a point of emphasis for a couple weeks now. We got to be able to run the football. We're just not going to win." And that's that to me. I don't know if those conversations ever took place in that offensive meeting room. 
Well, and, and when you have Delvin Cook, uh, giving him the football is probably yeah, a pretty good idea, runners. right? Yeah. Yeah, you got you. Yeah. And then, not only that, but here's what I always say, and this is the one thing a lot of coordinators miss, and I learned this a long time ago. In a critical situation, in a game, you cannot think about plays. You have to think about players. Mm-hmm. In other words, if I've got Marcus Allen behind me, and I've got Jerry Rice to my right, and I've got Tim Brown to my left, you know, I may, I may have this great concept, but at the end of the day, get the ball to Marcus Allen. Yeah. Get the ball to Jerry Rice. He's going to make a play for you. He's going to make something special happen. And that's what they have to understand. In the critical situation, you've got to think about players more than plays. Like, I, I've got to think, you've got this great running back, let's get him, let's get him rolling. Let's get him laddered up. Let's get him 15 or 20 touches. You know what I mean? Hey, if, if Steven's on a roll right now, let's get let's get him some touches early in the game. Let's get him going. But but don't get so consumed with these concepts and this design and all the things you put in during the week and forget about the core principles of, of offensive football. Get your best players the football and let them make plays. Yeah, I, I think you perfectly hit the nail on the head for a lot of the issues that they had this year. Uh, Rich, let me ask you just one more thing. And always gracious with your time with us here. Just this weekend, it is an awesome schedule. I mean, one of my favorite weekends of the year where they're playing all day Saturday, all day Sunday. Any one of these games stick way out to you, the one that you can't miss? Not really. I think they all have a unique storyline, and there's so many personalities. You know, I, I, I mean, I just think it's a culmination for so many teams that, you know, I think Seattle's a great example. I mean, this is supposed to be a rebuilding year for the, for mm-hmm. the Seahawks. I mean, yeah. think about that and what they've done. And, and, and give Brian Schottenheimer some credit. You know, Brian Schottenheimer goes in there as the offensive coordinator, and they they made a commitment to run the football. They're, they said, look, our offensive line's going to be great. The quarterback is getting hit way too much. We're going to run the football. And think about how that's helped them. That's how that's energized that team. And it's really got them in the. It's really got them in the position where they, they're in the in the playoffs in the year where a lot of people felt like they were going to be, you know, six and ten, seven nine team that was going to be in the rebuilding mode. And that go that gets back to really good coaching. Pete Carroll, uh, obviously Brian Schottenheimer, and everyone buying in in terms of this is how we're going to get this thing done. And that that to me is a great story. Yeah, no, you're right, and and I can't wait to see uh, the Chargers in Baltimore either. I mean, can this Lamar Jackson thing keep? You know, right? Yeah. I mean, it's going to be great. great. Yeah, so. you know, Eric Weddle, the whole, all, you know, going back, you know, him obviously playing in in in, uh, in San Diego now they're in Los Angeles, but I mean, Lamar Jackson, I think with these six and one as a starter, I mean, you know, and John Harbaugh, they're going to fire him. The, the, the owner last year at this time said, "Well, I was considering firing the the, the, the head coach." Well, now they're trying to beg him to stay and beg him to give him an extension. Why? Because, you know, he's a good football coach, but he made a decision to start this, to get this rookie in there when Flacco got hurt, to really change the entire offense. And now this team's on a roll. And, and look, you know, they've got, they've got you know, the, the, the young quarterback, they've got a rookie running back, and they've got a great defense. And they're going to pound the football at you. And attack you defensively, and keep and you know, and keep the scoring down. It's going to be that'll be a good one as well. Yeah, it's going to be a great weekend of football, Rich. Enjoy it. I appreciate all your time and the uh, the, the, the great insight. Thanks, man. Thanks, Rich Gannon, there, former uh, Minnesota Vikings quarterback, also a CBS analyst, and uh, maybe not the biggest fan of his former offensive coordinator, Jack Burns. Yeah. Jack well, Burns. That's uh, not Possibly. the first time that he's. Uh, 
I think we had him on a couple of weeks ago, and he voiced his uh, displeasure with uh, Jack Burns, his yeah. offensive coordinator, back in 92. Don't think so. he made it to the New Year's Eve party with uh, uh, Rich don't, Gannon. I don't so, think so. Um, no. We're going to take a look back at our old takes exposed here and uh, lists of our NFL quarterback rankings and how those have changed throughout this year. When we come back, Matthew Collar in for Mackie and Judd. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. So long, losers! On 1500 ESPN. Now, back to Mackie and Judd. Hello, boys! Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. So what do you think? It's <laughs> pretty cool, I guess. On 1500 ESPN. All right, Matthew Collar in for Mackie and Judd here, 1500 ESPN. And I decided, I was thinking about this the other day, so I decided to go back and look at my old list from the beginning of the year and figure out where I ranked Kirk Cousins and how I ranked other NFL quarterbacks, how many I put ahead of him, who I put ahead of him, how that would change now. So let me see when I posted this. It would have been July 13th. That's a perfect thing to do in July 13th is rank quarterbacks, right? And uh, there are a few that I would say I wish I had back, and there are a few that I would make the excuse I didn't know. Um, I thought Patrick Mahomes would be very good. He went from 17th on my list because I just didn't know where to put him to number three. Number four uh, is where I would have him now. I had Brady Rogers, Breeze. That's not going to change. Matt Ryan was pretty high. Still had a great year, but no defense for that guy whatsoever. Uh, Andrew Luck, back in the playoffs, looks mm-hmm. fantastic. Yes, he does. Russell Wilson has had an amazing year. They do run the football well, but Wilson has made all the plays and had a, a spectacular season, especially since Doug Baldwin was kind of in and out this year. For him to do as well as he did was amazing. Now, Ben Roethlisberger is tough because I think Roethlisberger is still good, but maybe not as good as I was giving him credit for, that he's fallen off and... You led the league in picks this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's. I don't think he's a top ten quarterback now. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I mean, three years ago, yeah, even two years ago, maybe, but not when you lead the league in picks and just let a lead slip away. I mean, they should have been a playoff team, and and they let it get away from them. Philip Rivers, I think I would have moved up. Now I'll tell you the one that I regret is Matthew Stafford at ten. Mm, Sorry, yeah, no, no, I. I've I have done this a few times, given Matthew Stafford more credit than he deserves, but they did have the seventh best offense in the league in 2017. So I thought, okay, they've got him sort of figured out. I had Alex Smith at nine, also too high, but we'll never really know where this goes with Alex Smith. Cam Newton at 12 is a tough one because before whatever happened with his shoulder, he was playing the best football of his career, mm-hmm. and then he gets that injury and... Or, or like way up there in terms of best of his career. And then it just seemed to fall off. Deshaun Watson, I had a 19th again. Eh, had no idea. Now Watson goes up into the top He's 10, I think. Yep. Dak Prescott, I'm still comfortable with him in the middle, 16th. Jimmy Garoppolo didn't play. And then at the bottom, I'm good with all of my bottom. Jameis Winston, I had as the worst quarterback in the NFL. I will stick with that. I would never <laughs> want him uh, ever. He will. Whoever gets hired as the Bucks coach, congratulations for being fired two years from now because of Jameis Winston. Josh Allen didn't do a whole lot to impress me. Joe Flacco got benched for Lamar Jackson. Blake Bortles got benched for Cody Kessler. Mm-hmm. Blake Bortles, um, still the quarterback there 
this year was shocking. Uh, Andy Dalton, Eli Manning, Sam Darnold, I didn't know where to put him. Mariota. Tyrod Taylor got benched. Case Keenum had a, a poor year. Ryan Tannehill, these are all my bottom quarterbacks. Sam mm-hmm. Bradford. And Mitch Trubisky, I'm not sure where to put him still. I had him 21st. I mean, that might still be right, even though their team is in the playoffs, largely because of their defense, but he certainly made some throws. So this this brought me to how much can change in a year and just where with the influx of Baker Mayfield and Mahomes and Watson this year that has raised the overall level of quarterback play in the NFL. Now where do we rank Kirk Cousins? I thought I had him a little higher than 14th, but that's where I put him. Mm-hmm. Right right there with Jared Goff, and I think that they are the same guy. I think that when Jared Goff looks into the future, he sees Kirk Cousins. Like it's the same, like he can execute things with a brilliant play caller, but the off schedule stuff doesn't really happen. And you're, you're not, even though they have a great team, you're not sure he can really do it. Same thing. Um, so I asked you to put together how many quarterbacks you now would take. So this, this doesn't just mean rank on this year, but take for the Vikings over Cousins. So if I'm like going into next year and if, you know, if I want to just insert a quarterback, how many of these guys I would replace Kirk Cousins? Yes. Yes. Okay. Like how many would you trade straight up one for one Kirk Cousins for that guy? And I guess um, what the hard question there is, do you include the contracts? Because then if you can have Sam Darnold on a rookie contract, like of course, Mm -hmm. but this year, Sam Darnold wouldn't have gotten the Vikings into the playoffs. Right. So if you're basing it, did you base it on with including potential or not including potential? Including potential, but also I also took into account, you know, contracts and just. Okay. All like, right. I, you know, it's it was potential, but it's also like real potential. Like, yeah, I think this this guy's pretty good now. Okay. And I think he would be pretty good next year with this team. So. Okay. There's there's the obvious ones. There's Breeze, Rodgers, Brady. That whole, th- whole give, deal. Give me your controversial. Is there controversial? Because obviously, like, Brady. Yeah. yeah, and, you know, and Watson and Wilson and those guys. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm kind of torn on, like, Matthew Stafford, Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, those those are two guys that I'm kind yeah. of torn on. Like, I, I, just based on watching Kirk Cousins for 16 games this year, I'm kind of looking at those guys and thinking, yeah, maybe I would take them over Cousins, but I'm not 100% sure. Not Garoppolo, I don't think. Yeah. That, and that and could Garoppolo, end up being, I just haven't seen enough to really know. Yeah, it could end up being a super bad take, but I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. Some good games with the Patriots, mm-hmm. a handful of good games at the end of a season, but that can trick you. Nothing impressive that I saw this year from the beginning of the season before he got hurt. Right, it's so hard. So I don't think I would do that over a quarterback that has a, a better body of work. So I, I wouldn't take Garoppolo. Stafford, I, he's a tough one, too, because, mm-hmm. I mean, Matt Patricia is a mess. And then they <laughs> trade away Golden Tate. They, uh, Marvin Jones gets hurt. He's one of the best receivers in the league. I mean, they have a really talented offensive line that they couldn't figure out how to use. Uh, it just, uh, I don't know. I mean, they've got lots of talent there, but it seemed like their offensive line was letting sacks up all the time. So, I don't know. I I have never really been a big Stafford fan. Like he's got an amazing arm and it's fun to watch sometimes, but he's the same with the 9 and 7, 7 and 9 type of stuff mm-hmm. that I'd probably put them in the exact same category where it's like trade for him, no trade for him. I don't know. Either way, he's fine. I would there's one guy that doesn't have the body of work, but I 
seen enough to think that he's going to be really good for a long time, and I would take him over Kirk Cousins right now is Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I would. Too. I love yep. Baker Mayfield. He's been he's been fantastic. I think he has uh, breeze like qualities mm-hmm. and is so young too, and yeah. has so much room to grow with a team that has lots of cap room and lots of talent that's young there. He's he would be your pick for who wins the Super Bowl in twenty twenty would mm-hmm. be like the Browns. If I, I could trade Kirk Cousins for him right now, I'd do it in a heartbeat yeah, without I think, hesitation. I think the rookie quarterbacks, you mostly would because of the contract mm-hmm. and the potential, not Josh Allen because that's way too high risk. Josh Rosen, I'm really not sure. He had the worst situation of any quarterback I can remember. And but but, I just, but I just Lamar think, Jackson, though, you would. I just think Mayfield is just right now, I think he's just better. Yeah, than Cousins yeah, is. You're probably right. Just, just with what he started, what thirteen games for the Browns this year. I just think in those thirteen games, what I saw from him is just better. He would be better for the Vikings than Kirk Cousins would be right now. Even though yeah. Cousins has the yeah. the track record and the longer experience and all of that stuff. He is. He has the gamerness to him, mm-hmm. the pocket presence to him, with every bit of the arm and accuracy. And maybe just another year of experience, and he probably is better. And you would definitely go one for one, even aside from the tra- uh, uh, aside from the contracts. And, and that's where. So now you make the list, and you end up with how many did you end up with? I ended up with seventeen guys, and the two that are I'm kind of on the fence with are Stafford and Garoppolo. So that hmm. made it seventeen. So fifteen to seventeen. Yeah. Sorry, Vikings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, you're in a tough spot. Um, we will talk with Patrick Royce to wrap things up next. And um, just something up up Patrick's alley I want to ask him about with baseball and this free agency when we come back. Matthew Collar in for Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Just a reminder, this station does not endorse this. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. On 1500 ESPN. All right, time to wrap with Patrick Royce, who is uh, now doing a podcast with Judd, and I just can't believe one room can handle that. How are you, Patrick? I'm very somber today. Uh, Mean Gene Okerlund has passed away, and uh, Super Dave Osborne has passed away, uh, both uh, within a couple of hours of each other this morning. So I'm I'm, uh, very depressed here. A a bad start to 2019. Both of them 76 years old, both great characters. And uh, now, uh, were you a Curb Your Enthusiasm fan? Uh, I always watch it on planes if I can. Uh, so that uh, well, is my Marty Funkhauser, you know, yes, Super yes. Dave Robin uh, yes. Osborne, and he died today. And uh, I've uh, looked up a few uh, Marty F- uh, Funkhauser uh, videos today, and including the one where he's very upset that his uh, his uh, nephew Kenny can no longer uh, uh, what should we say relieve himself <laughs> because. <laughs> Uh, he injured his wrist because of something Larry did. It's pretty, uh, pretty funny. <laughs> if you haven't uh, seen that, you one. know the the Mean Gene. I, I I just was never a WWE guy. I I don't know a lot about him, but I'm just seeing the uh, tributes roll in here, Patrick. Well, he was he was I you know a lot of us knew him personally, and uh, you know he was great on the air. But I love him just because he was just he was just you know he was a guy who was like selling TV ads. And all of a sudden, he stumbled into this job, 
and you know made himself a wealthy guy and a famous guy because he had a little gift of BS, and he always knew how lucky he was. You know, he never he never had a bad day because he knew that he could still be out there wearing a bad sport coat trying to sell somebody an ad, you know, <laughs> for a TV station. And instead, he was living down in Sarasota and getting on a plane about every two weeks and going to do a, a, a appearance uh, the last few years. But uh, a great guy. Did His he... son, Todd, great gopher uh, and a uh, U.S. Olympian hockey player. Yeah. Did he, did, did Pat, did he, did Mean Gene live up here at, at some point, or did he just oh, have, yeah, like, the restaurant up here or something? He, oh, man, he probably bought that place in Sarasota 20 years ago, I would guess, maybe. He lived, I think he lived out in Burnsville, but, Burnsville, you know, okay, he yeah. was, uh, uh, they were having, I, I believe the story is, they were, uh, the, the uh, AFTA was uh, having a strike, and Marty O'Neill would not cross the picket line because he was a member of it for the wrestling matches out at Channel 11, so they grabbed Gene and had him do the interviews, and it all started there. So, um, Patrick, let me switch gears away from death with you, if we can. Yes. Um, just, okay, here, here's my transition to that. Uh, the death of fun in the MLB offseason. Um, they have two of the biggest free agents in the history of the world, and it's just been as boring as boring could be for Major League Baseball. Great job of not having any headlines all offseason long baseball. A lot of conversation, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it's it, it does tell you the, uh, you know, I, I don't know. If you, you know, when they sign, there will be some uh, interest. And there's been conversation about it, I'm sure, in the, maybe in the cities where it's a possibility. Uh, I, I don't know who Machado's agent is. I know uh, Harper's is uh, is our guy Scott Boris, and he's going to wait until he's going to see what Manny got. You know, he's not going to sign before Manny Harper. You, you might as well not even talk to Harper until Manny Manny signs, because uh, you know what's what, this guy is. Uh, you know, Boris is absolutely dedicated to getting Harper the biggest contract ever. So that's uh, and you know what he will too because. <laughs> Everybody always says, ah, that Boris, he's crazy. He's asking for too much money, and he always gets it. So, uh, and, but you're right. It's it is reflective. I don't I don't blame baseball. I I blame the fact that you know that people are, are bored with it. They're, they're, I mean, if the public wanted it, they'd be getting it. But the public's you know the ESPN's not writing a story about it every day because. They probably have editors saying, ah, don't, don't worry about it. We, we don't get that many reads anyway. Well, I think part of it is that all the other sports find a way to make their free agency happen in, in a short window that is really yes. exciting. Like, free agency opens, and it's a celebration. It's a national holiday with some sports. Basketball, football has become this way. And here's baseball, where you just kind of have to sit around and check Twitter every once in a while don't and see if Harper signed. a reflection of the salary cap, though. That, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That that I mean, the NFL, uh, the, the the players know that there's an urgency for the players to sign because they know there's a finite amount of money, and uh, you know, of course, the NBA it doesn't happen quite that quick. But in the NBA, in the NFL, you got to go get yours as quick as you can because uh, you know, unless some until they give it to somebody else. And baseball, the the agents treat baseball just. The opposite. They wait. There might be more. 
in in most cases, they're well, you know, we can we can do better. It was a phenomenon last year that all the how many guys signed after camps open last year, you know, veterans of some stature. It's uh, it's it's become more and more a waiting game in baseball. And you're right, unless you know, back in the old days, uh, at the there was a in the there was a period in the winter, like at the winter meetings. The only you could not make an interleague trade after the winter meetings. Mm. You know, you can the American League cannot trade to the National League until <laughs> like the middle of March again or something, wow. right? Hmm. So they put a limit on them. So that's one reason there was a lot of action uh, because if you didn't make your trade by the you know the winter meetings in December, then you know, you, you you could only deal with half as many teams. So uh, that maybe there's been conversation about going back to that trade-wise now, how that would affect free agency. I don't think it would. So. Well, the Twins did get a steal in Lance Lynn picking him up late last year. So <laughs> did you, you know, maybe patience. Did you a three-year deal? <laughs> yes. For Texas, okay. yeah. And did, what, 30, 36 what, what was it? It was 40, 36 mil? Something, something like that, yeah. Least favorite player to ever yeah. watch. Yeah, All right. unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. Thanks, Pat. Goodbye. See ya. All right, and thank you all. I didn't slap the glass or anything or yell today, so <laughs> we kept it indoor voice. Thanks. Code words, man. <laughs> Thanks, Manny, and uh, Mackie Judd back tomorrow.